Briscoe, Briscoe, Briscoe. You were going to say Briscoe Friday, and you realize it's not Friday. It's not Friday, it's a Tuesday. Briscoe Tuesday. Briscoe Tuesday. Briscoe Tuesday. How about that? Chop it up. Tuesday, isn't it? Oh, I thought you were doing like a British thing there. No, I was just, I got some gum. I know it's bad radio uh, etiquette. But I didn't feel confident how my breath smelled, and mm. uh, I can just sort of tuck it away for a little bit. So we're sure. Gonna, we're going to be fine. You're not even going to know sometimes a little sloppy. Was that your impersonation of the Chiefs on third and one? Uh, no, because because I would love for them to start chewing up some yardage, actually. <laughs> so, no, that's way too kind. Man, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't want to start here, but we're going to start here. Sounds like you wanted to start here. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. But do you want to catch a team off guard if you're the Chiefs? Yeah. Run a halfback dive. Like, I know. Like, not like, even like, a quarterback yeah, sneak. Yeah, like, not even a quarterback sneak. Just dive. Just a halfback dive. Halfback power. Uh, bring, a counter with Pacheco. Bring Tershawn Wharton out <laughs> as a fullback and just let him lead. I was laughing because I was talking to Lowry about it. He said, just give, you know what? Well, let's really do something special. Put, put Chris Jones back there. We were like joking. Yes. But also only slightly because. No, I, Colin Saunders did it and he looked yeah, great. He looked good. Like, oh. Uh, no, Andy, he might have Chris Jones throw a pass. Oh, good point. Yeah, Chris it, Jones wants to. It's gonna Let be, him play. It's going to be Chris Jones on third and one. We're like, okay, finally. We'll use him as a fullback. And then it's a Chris Jones hungry pig on third and one from their own 12-yard line. Like, No. Use him as a blocker. Run the football. Like, you know how crazy it has to be in what alternate universe for me, Sterling Holmes, an analytical guy to yell, run the football? Yeah. Where have we come? We, we've gotten to a dark place. I'm, I'm here with you because that's that's like the precursor now when people around me are like, Josh, I know this is going to make you mad, but I think the Chiefs run the football. I'm like, no, I agree. It just seems like a nice thing to do, especially when your offense has had issues all year. And you, like, the best thing I feel like you can honestly do is try to find something easy. Andy yeah. Reid's probably thought about this, but uh, probably I he knows mind. more than us. But also, like, there is a thing as overthinking. Yeah, yeah, 100. percent No, look, man, I. Andy Reid is a great football coach, but also I am like I've watched Mike McCarthy, so I know that just assuming the NFL head coaches always know what they're doing is not a world I'm ever going to live in. Sure, and uh, like Andy Reid is, I don't know if you saw the chart from earlier today that came out this morning of uh, the uh, the fourth down aggressiveness levels. I think I did, and it was in the the what was it? What, what, what I gotta, was I'll, get, I'll get you the verbiage. The, the I'll, verbiage I'll get was along the line of like scared or something. No, it was like even that. better than that. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I retweeted it. I'll, I'll find. I'll find. Uh, he does the program. I will also say. Seren petrified. That's pretty good. Thanks. Uh, I I will also say, I've come so far uh, along in this where I'm also screaming for Christian McCaffrey to at least be acknowledged in the MVP conversation. I did the same race. thing yesterday. Like, like, like what? What again? What alternate universe are we living in where I'm saying, you know what? I haven't been thoroughly impressed with the crop of quarterbacks this year. I get running backs don't make the biggest difference, but McCaffrey makes a difference. And also Tyreek Hill, I want to rip on the guy because, you know, it's it's fun to rip on him because he's been a great villain, a, a heel, and it was great, uh, well, frankly, trying to shut him up for at least uh, 60 minutes, mm-hmm. right? It, that, that was very uh, entertaining, even though he tried to 
start talking a little bit of smack post, you know, just, just great the, rivalry. The, the, the laughing emoji. Yeah, just it great rivalry, yeah. But, like, even, let's be real now, he needs to have his name thrown into. If you're doing something historic at your position, you should probably get thrown at the MVP conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But no, let's th- go ahead and throw Jalen Hurts, who's thrown like nine interceptions in there. Here's your fourth down quadrant. So the upper right corner is by the books aggressive lean. Upper left corner is by the books conservative lean. Bottom right is confused. And bottom left with the Chiefs all the way on the far left is the full of fear quadrant. <laughs> well, I guess petrified's not too far off. Uh, no, I just I like I like full of fear uh, because the Chiefs, the Chiefs, Steelers, Bucks, Colts, and Vikings are the only teams in football by Ben Baldwin's stat here who have not gone for it in a toss-up uh. situation yet this year. And the Chiefs are bottom five in going for it when they very clearly should go for it. Well, of course, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you want to be in the same category as Kenny Pickett, uh-huh, uh, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield Gardner Josh Minshew, Dobbs, slash uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah. Uh, and, and also, yeah, Gardner Minshew and a rookie quarterback at one point with Anthony Rich. That, that, that's typically They are neck and quadrants. neck with the Buccaneers, with with Todd Bowles' Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, mm. that right there, that's a team that you know has their finger on the pulse of the NFL. Yeah, you know that that's a team that, uh, by the way, all those teams, they'll have relatively good records. I guess. Am I wrong? Yeah, upper right hand corner. Upper right hand corner by it's by themselves by the books aggressive lean is the Eagles, and then below them is the Lions. Uh, Look, you can be good and still in the middle. No, you can you can be the Texans are actually smack dab in the middle. It looks like, and they're five hundred. You can see you can be you can be good and get stuff wrong. This is just one that's so frustrating to me because it just seems like an easy thing you can do to make your life a little easier. And Andy Reid is like, no, no, me and Todd Bowles are going to look at this pretty much the same way. Mm. As is Mike Tomlin, another Hall of Fame coach whose quarterback is Kenny Pickett, not Patrick Mahomes. Well, let's talk about Mike Tomlin, and I want to bring this up. Yes, uh, I would. God, I would love y- to. You want to play a little game here? Yes. Play a little game. It's called, is this a, did George Pickens say this, or did uh, every single millennial say this? Oh, good. Uh, all right. Yeah, let's, all right, Andy Rooney, hit it, baby. Wants to be significant. Yeah, of course. I said that. You said that. George Pickens said that. Yeah, every it's like millennials and George Pickens just shake The forgotten generation above us, the Generation X, wants to be significant in George Pickens, because... Apparently, winning's not good enough for him. Uh, when Deontay Johnson scored that go-ahead touchdown, everyone celebrates, except for George Pickens. He he, he goes off and is we're, angry. We're talking upset. about such different parts of this; it no, really well, bums we'll, me we'll, out. We'll get, we're going real different ways. We'll, we'll get to, to Mike Tomlin and how he needs more credit and, and how. Are he, our mics weird? I I am so loud in my own headphones that it's making me nervous, and you're so like weirdly echoey in your mic that it's making it's also making me nervous. Kyle, are we good? I think we're I good. I trust you, Kyle. I don't. I in no way whatsoever want to seem like I am second guessing you. I might just need to move my headphones or something. I don't know. I just it we we got far enough in and it did not resolve itself to the point that I got where there's a ghost in the machine. See, I don't hear anything wrong, really. Okay, you're, you, if you guys both feel good, I'm like, okay, all right, I just want to make sure. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wiggle the knob over here a little bit. Did you go, well, you know, we have great uh, technology There's over just, here. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes these little things are, are getting a little, a little uh, touchy, just like me. And we're good. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to derail your radio program. No, just in regards to George Pickett. I'm sort of a quality assurance analyst, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a quality control coach. That would actually check out with the outfit you're rocking too. The little zip up, yeah. You look like a quality. I can, I can pull coach. my sweats up a little bit and get yeah. that Mike McDaniel like kind of like calf and ankle showing. I like that look. Wait, wait. Mm. Yeah, he's I, the only head coach brave enough to wear sweat capris. Yeah, and that's a that's a a weird look. I don't know who first rocked it and said, you know what, 
People need to see my ankles. Not, not about like, what the people need. It's about what you need. Uh-huh. You're, you're in that Miami heat. You got to let the, uh, not the not the team, heat yeah. culture, baby. Sure. Um, but when you're in that Miami heat, you got to let some of the, the heat out wherever you can. Bare skin's going to help get it away. Yeah, that 45 degrees in Germany and Frankfurt really that, did that. Well, but it's habitual now. You know, sure, it's a habit sure. thing. Used to it. You got to, you, you, you don't want to be switching it up, man. Andy Reid wears the same stuff. He's wearing shorts in the cold. Mike McDaniel's wearing pants in the heat. Yeah. I mean, well, you don't, I, I don't know what to say here. You know what? I would love to see Andy Reid rock those... Uh, those uh, the sweat capris? <laughs> I would I would also like to see that. With, with those Air Force Ones. Now, that would be a look. It would uh, be a great look. But back to George Pickens. Okay. Mike Tomlin said about the situation, it's a pebble in my shoe. I yep. mean, in... The grand scheme of what Mike Tomlin has had to deal with, with Antonio Brown, Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, uh, the quarterback situation of uh, Weekend at Bernie's version of Big Ben, yep. the corpse of Big Ben, uh, Duck Hodges, yeah. right? Mason, uh-huh. Mason Rudolph, and now Kenny Pickett. I'm sure this is a very minor thing. But where I'm coming from is partially as a, a guy who has seen Sky Moore and George Pickens both play football. And one guy I know is extremely NFL talented, and we know he can have success in the NFL, and one we have question marks about. Mm-hmm. And, and part of me is sitting here saying, well, maybe the Chiefs didn't want him because of the off-the-field, or should I say on-the-field issues to an extent. Maybe I'm I, I'm trying to make myself feel a little bit better about that draft pick, but the Chiefs don't typically go for me first guys, right? I wonder if it was a non-starter when they had George Pickens in and they realized, all right, this guy's about me more than we. Now, I get there's a fine line. You're trying to build a Super Bowl caliber program. You're not trying to necessarily uh, build a, a, a church over here, right? I get that. But George Pickens throughout all of this so far has come off as, yes, a very talented player, but also a very me-oriented player. And I wonder if there's some issues with that. This is a tricky one because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. I'm not trying to be, like, mysterious. I'm just trying to sort through it in a way that I, where I can share my feelings without giving it all up. I, I'm confused. Here's what Mike Tomlin said. I'm confused. Here's what Mike Tomlin said today. He said he, he expresses frustration all the time. He wants to be significant. He wants to be a reason why we are successful. Man, you don't, you don't, y'all don't begrudge that. I want guys that want the football. I want guys who want to be central reasons of why we are successful. So that's a non-issue, to be quite honest with you. Here's my take. If what you just laid out is, hypothetically, what happened, This response from Mike Tomlin is what you want from your head coach. If if George Pickens was just not on the Chiefs' radar ultimately because they said, this dude's a powder keg and we don't want to deal with it. They dealt with Tyreek Hill. Like, they dealt with Tyreek Hill with real off-the-field stuff and with his personality being Uh, what it is. Okay, but Tyreek Hill and George Pickens are on different levels. Let's be real now. What do you mean? Tyreek Hill is one of the top three. Not out of the draft, he wasn't. Not out of the draft, he wasn't. Out of the draft, he was a project that 31 other teams were scared to touch. But he was drafted in the fifth round, not in the second round. Justin Ross got picked up by this team and is still on this team's roster. Like, there's just a, there is a fundamental inconsistency here. And the idea that George Pickens... That's a second rounder. I understand. But again... In, if if we're playing in this world where this, this George Pickens guy is just really selfish, I would be very, very curious to know what the Chiefs do not draft list includes. And and look, Tyreek Hill, you can believe, if you believe him on his podcasts, then or don't believe it. We've heard so many stories that it's hard to keep the one straight. 
even for him, apparently. But, it, hey, eventually Tyreek Hill got to the point where he wanted more targets and more money and eventually wanted to be traded to get that money and was worried about his staff being repressed, or at least his co-host was. Like, all of those things, it's all stuff you have to manage in an NFL roster. And for me, if you, if you say, hey, George Pickens, say George Pickens is all of those things people have talked about him being. Say that he is selfish and a me-first guy and he wants the football and he wants to get targets. Do you want to have an, a... a non-perfect soldier in George Pickens or what you've gotten from Sky Moore. Sure. What what risks are worth taking here? And unless there's something I've missed, George Pickens hasn't done anything to say we don't want this dude associated with our franchise. What you have heard is maybe maybe he's not a very good teammate. Sure. And I would say, here's what I would invite. Put him in a locker room with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and give him a chance to become a good teammate sure. in a good situation that can make him a superstar. And if it, if it blows up, it blows up. But the every Chiefs fan I've spoken to all year is ready to give up on Sky Moore. And and George Pickens was was blacklisted because because of something that Mike Tomlin I thought today handled very very well. It's confusing to me. It's inconsistent. Again, I'm not saying I would not have taken George Pickens. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, is this a reason? That, that, that was that was my thought. Practice. I don't want to come off as a guy who's uh, not trying to uh, acquire talent because of some potential me-first concerns. I just think it's something to, to note because I wonder, again, a similar instance, McCole Hartman and DK Metcalf. Um, yeah, yeah but also would bit, also have been another mistake. I want, well, no, no. Again, <laughs> another not, miss. I am not saying this happened. They I traded not, for Kadarius Tony, and then he started fighting with Giants fans on Instagram. Yeah, like, sure. They I, signed Damon Arnett to the to an offseason <laughs> contract, and then cut him sure. before he ever got a Chiefs T-shirt, as far as I can tell. Again, uh, part of me is saying second rounder versus the investment. Sure, yeah, the you want to you want to you want to make safer investments when you're investing more. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, um, I would also like to have a number one wide receiver on this team. And I wonder is, again, George Pickens probably wouldn't be that upset because he would be the number one guy here. He would be getting those targets. He would be getting those looks. I'm not 100% ready to say Sky Moore is a bust. I'm not ready to say that you should completely give up on dude. But I am saying at this point, I think it's a safer bet to say who's going to have a better NFL career. You'd probably pick George Pickens. And George Pickens also has not been like the consistent, productive number one wide receiver that I think a lot of his reputation has already become. My frustration is in this idea. Because Deontay Johnson's an absolute stud at getting open. Yes, he's. Which who I thought Sky Moore looked like coming out of college. I kept saying, Sky Moore, Deontay Johnson, you guys are going to be like the exact same player because of separation ability and because you look at the combine numbers. They're very similar in the small school comparison and the size. They're eerily similar. Like, it's kind of scary how much they look the exact same coming out of college. And yet one guy has been amazing getting separation, although occasionally has some drop issues. And one guy has occasionally getting drop issues while, uh, quite frankly, not having the separation. The Steelers are really good at wide receiver valuation and development is the best uh, I can do in terms of what their wide receiver room has looked like since the dawn of time. They traded Chase Claypool for a second round pick and nobody (laughs) wants that dude on their team anymore. The biggest play he's made since he got traded out of Pittsburgh was recovering that fumble in Germany. He scooped that up, right? Like that, that's what we're talking about here. This, this very specific topic frustrates me because I think there's some like, I just think there are some inconsistencies in this whole thing of like, no, George Pickens not on my team. Hear me out. Well, let's use a little baseball analogy here. 
let's say the Steelers at wide receiver and wide receiver only, they are the the Rays, the Guardians in regards to starting pitchers mm-hmm. or pitchers in general, mm-hmm. right? They identify talent. They know what they can get out of a guy, and they get the best out of a guy. Mm-hmm. They can develop the guy. Just, again, at one specific position here, the Chiefs are the Royals. Yeah. They are uh, starting pitchers with in regards to wide receivers, right? Yeah. They might even draft a guy that's the consensus guy, right? They might draft a guy that everyone agrees is going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, he doesn't get that ceiling. Yeah. For some reason, he's not a good fit. Is this a identifying talent issue, a drafting issue, a developmental issue, a scheme issue? Is Andy Reid's playbook just too large for these young guys to grasp? Because, again, this has been the only position in the Brett Veach era that has been an issue. Every other position, we can find a guy that goes, yep, that's a hit. That is very good. He has a very good clip of hitting at this position in this round. He's nails. But wide receiver, he has not. Mm-hmm. I I don't I, I think it's probably a mix of a lot of factors. You gotta give him boo, credit for boo, get off the fence. <laughs> you gotta give you gotta give him a lot of credit for developing Tyreek Hill into a real receiver for a guy who entered the league as an explosive like flex player, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we weren't even well, I mean, we figured out what his role was going to be at the NFL level eventually, but that was a developmental project in a whole lot of ways. Beyond that, I think you can look at the types of receivers they have drafted. And again, McCole Hardman over DK Metcalf was in a moment we weren't sure if Tyreek Hill was going to be allowed to play football ever again. That uh, you let DK Metcalf go, and he's obviously been excellent. Sky Moore, I'm not, I'm not even dinging him for like the for the Cornell Powells of the world in the later draft picks. Sure, because you're you're taking shots on guys that you know are going to have less than a full toolbox. Otherwise, they would have been first or second round picks. But 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 again, 100 percent agree. But let's just say those are flyers, yeah, right? Sure. He's hit on a lot of flyers. Mike Dana, uh, you, you look at all the secondary pieces. And that's fair, too. And, and then you also say, all right, some teams, though, also hit on flyers in later rounds. Again, just an example. Let's say Puka Nakua. I, yep. I, I know I'm cherry-picking here. Sure. I don't have this all in front of me. But, how, but, how about this one? How about this one? I mentioned his name a second ago. Third-round pick for Kadarius Tony. They appear to be done with that experiment a year after trading for him. Yeah. I don't think they should be. I don't think it's over because I have a toxic trait of not being able to quit Kadarius Tony. I guess because he's electric, he looks great with the ball in his hands, and then he doesn't touch the ball again. It's like, well, so he, he had the fewest snaps of any receiver for the Chiefs in Germany. What does he have to do to actually like play wide receiver? Yeah. You invested in him more recently than you invested in in Sky Moore, yeah. barely longer than ago than you invested in Rasheed Rice. And Rice is a bit of a different player, obviously, than than Sky or yeah. Tony or Hardman, but also all of those guys I just mentioned are. All slot receivers at their best. That they, that is an evaluation thing. You are, and, and it's also it's not just Brett Veach. Let me. I'm going to tell everybody a secret. Tell everybody a secret. Get in real close. Sometimes Andy Reid lies to you. Mm. When Andy Reid said, no. you know, I let Brett handle all those things, guys. Brett Brett Veach does not wrap up a second round draft pick in a box and then put it under Andy Reid's Christmas tree and tell him to unwrap what he just got. Like, and obviously. I am glad for that because Andy Reid needs to know what receivers are on the board and and he needs to be able to tell Brett Veach, here's what I'm identifying, here's what I like. I think Andy Reid is a better evaluator of offensive talent than uh, than Brett Veach is. I wonder if Brett Veach would agree with that. I I bet he probably would, right? Andy Reid's been watching NFL talent evolve for a very long time. He doesn't need to be churning the bottom of the practice squad, but I promise you... He is thumbs up on Rasheed Rice, thumbs up on Sky Moore, thumbs down on George Pickens, like yeah. thumbs up on McCole Hardman. Sure, those do not get past Andy Reid's desk without a stamp. 
So spread that out evaluation-wise. Also, they got a first-year wide receivers coach this year. Is that is that making it is that making life harder? Uh, he's been in the system though, I believe. So, sorry, I, I just wanted, I've got all the deets on this is, one, is baby. It, this is his fifth year in the Kansas City Chiefs organization, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So the running backs coach is Todd Pinkston. It's his first year as an NFL coach at all. He played under Andy Reid from 2000 through 2004. Connor oh. Embry. It's his first year as a wide receivers coach. His fifth year with Kansas City. I think it might have been offensive quality control or something like that before. And then David Girardi. It's his first year as a quarterbacks coach and his sixth year with Kansas City. You got first-time position coaches at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. That's a lot of turnover. I'm not saying those guys can't do their job. I'm not saying Connor Embry stinks. I don't. I do not know the man, and I could only begin to imagine what actually goes into being a positional coach and his shower schedule, probably. But it is new, though. Is that a Mike McDaniel thing? You said he stinks. Oh, okay. Uh, Mike McDaniel <laughs> said he did stink when he was a, an assistant coach because he was showered like once a week. Um, that's just more turnover. And so when you ask about development, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know who's actually in charge of the wide receiver development. Did, did Eric Bieniemy take a very active role in that? Is Matt Nagy taking a similar or different role? How involved is Andy Reid? How does that change when you have a super young receiving group? Has MVS taken a step back this year? Um, these, these are all things where, where again, it's, it's why I say at the beginning. I got heat for you today. I don't know why. You got me on a Tuesday and I just got energy for, for firing super hot takes for a team that's seven and two at the bye. But the, the, the answer is, is a combination of all of those things, at least when we don't have the full picture, which we obviously don't. But you got new coaches all across the offense. Again, new positional coaches. It's a fair note to say that they were, they've been in with the team for a while, but new coaches, new players, guys who have not developed and guys that you can look at pretty fairly and say, well, you know who didn't evaluate McCole Hardman differently? The rest of the league. Sure. The rest of the league, because the Jets signed him, and the Chiefs traded for him back, and he got a one-year deal in New York, and that was it. And they never got on the field. You see a lot of guys. Your Demarcus Robinsons, your Byron Pringles. Most of those guys leave Kansas City and then fall off the face of the earth. The Chiefs, the Chiefs at times, I think, can maximize lesser players, but they've obviously had a much harder time finding the higher-end players to maximize, which is a really interesting little puzzle for them to solve. Yeah, and I will say with Rasheed Rice, he seems to be the guy who's bucking that trend, but again, it's a guy who's probably on pace for, I think it's some math here, around 725 yards. I would have guessed 750 or so, yeah. Um, which is, is, is good, for, for especially for a rookie and stuff. But, 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 but Way, not, yes, absolutely. But we're we'll not take talking, that. you know, Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson, Again, it wasn't a first-rounder, but still a second-rounder. We're not talking uh, a guy who went over a K or 900 yards as a rookie. Looks like he's going to be a top 10, top 20, even a top 30 wide receiver in the NFL. This is I, – I, I'm not even going to make a joke out of it. I'm just acknowledging this is me grinding an axe that is barely has barely anything left now. But when you – it's pretty rare that the Chiefs will be able to draft a legit number one wide receiver Correct, yes. because because they're not picking in the top ten, which makes it all the more infuriating when you waste a pick on a running back yes. when T. Higgins and Michael Pittman are right behind you. Higgins yes. more so than Pittman, but at the time, I would have taken either of those receivers, and I still would be happier now. If this team has T. Higgins instead of a quote-unquote luxury pick and a guy who's basically a wide receiver and all of that, the entire offense changes, and you know what T. Higgins wouldn't be doing this year? He wouldn't be entering the last year of his rookie deal because he'd have a fifth-year option, which was part of the argument for drafting Clyde. Well, it's a running back, but you should have that fifth-year option if you need it, like you were ever going to use that on a running back anyway. There, that's another evaluation miss, which is unfortunate. Because if you saw the, if you saw T. Higgins as a fringe number one receiver somewhere down the line, you run that card up, and instead they took a running back. Uh, 
We'll talk about the. It's, fun, it's good that we get to, that you and I finally get to talk about running backs in that draft yeah, pick. I'm glad we, we finally we, got we to till that get ground. To do, yeah, it's, it's only been what four years now. I want to talk about FAU very quickly, and the only reason why I brought, I yeah. want, I, it wasn't even actually on my radar mm-hmm. until you brought up the first round draft pick and Clyde. The reason being is I've seen a lot of almost hatred, confusion. Um, Mean words towards FAU for some reason from Weird. from a small. I'm not saying a whole bunch, but enough to where it's been on my Twitter page and yeah. how I'm seeing people for some reason taking shots at FAU, and I'm sitting here saying, "This is a good thing. They don't need him to play because the Chiefs have gotten so much production on the defensive line from so many guys. He was a developmental pick, even in the first round, a developmental edge rusher to begin with, right? Playing in a, a unique three three five at K State, just one of the youngest very, players very, in the draft. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people saying, "Well, if FAU can't see the field, this was a complete bust of a pick." I'm sitting here going, "The Chiefs' defense right now is second in the entire NFL. Yeah. Why would you want like if he was playing a lot of snaps? I would be very concerned." That means Charles Minahu has been brutal. That means Carl yeah. never took a step forward. That means Mike Dana took a massive step back. Like, if, if FAU was playing a large amount of snaps, I would have more concerns. The Chiefs' defense has been electric so far. We're talking to some stats uh, in the second segment with you. But I just I wanted to get this off my chest. There's people who have this some sort of anger towards FAU not being able to get in the field. I'm sitting here going... Why? Yeah. I think it's probably a little bit tainted by the fact that Karloftis played so much as a rookie and out of, partially out of necessity. And I think fairly, a lot of the Karloftis narrative was, hey, you know what's going to help Karloftis? Get more reps, play more, and then get better as you go. And so now with Felix, you're, you're kind of trying to sell the inverse of like, hey, he's young. Let him practice. And then we'll see about next year. The thing is, drafting high-value positions with your first-round picks means that even if George Karloftis is only ever a, a solid number-two rusher, or if FAU is only ever a solid number-two rusher, they don't hit their ceilings or whatever, there's still value in them on their rookie contracts being rotational pieces for you. Sure. And, and Felix is going to be about next year. Now, the interesting thing is how many how many of the defensive ends are going to change next year? Chris Jones, most likely. And, and then it's a year older, and don't the second year... Don't you even put that into the yeah, atmosphere. It's just probably happening. I don't know, man. I lost faith in that. We worry well, about that once the season ends. We for, for right now, he's a chief for life. Isn't is this Mike Dana's last year under contract also? Don't you dare. So there's the way you want you want Felix to play. That's that might unfortunately that might be where you're headed. Because sure. Karloff, this is on his rookie deal. I mean, who's got a two year deal that'll obviously he's, you know, in year one of. Um, so seeing how that ultimately shakes out will be interesting. Also, Jeremy Fowler's report about the Chiefs being interested in Montez Sweat has still not fully settled with me. I don't know. He said they were interested in Young and Sweat, but mostly Sweat. I mean, and, they're, they're, they're elite players. And, and that, uh, but that would also... okay. They're good players. They're good players. And that Montez Sweat Hall is pretty much Frank Clark. Like, that's pretty... It's a, it's like the 35th overall pick and like $100 million. Okay, let me the, look up Montez Sweat's numbers. So far. Again, he's, he's been more consistent. He's yeah. played more. Chase Young's been more on and off the field and whatever. Montez Sweat is a very good football player. But if you said, would you give him like 10 times of uh, Charles Amenahu's money, I would say no thank you. It's, it would have oh, been a bad team. Oh, it would have been gosh. a bad t- team building move for the me. The numbers are eerily close. To Frank Clark? Oh no! Oh boy! Oh no! How'd I do? Oh, that was pretty nails, man. I think. I think again, he's probably a better player, but I'm sure people thought the same thing about Frank Clark. Yeah, Frank Clark had a whole suite of pass rushing tools on. And again, he you know he he played some good football, but it's, it's not a move that I would have been interested in for the Chiefs at all. 
And so I wonder where they're at internally on on Felix's like pro, like the projection for him and where they want him to be in year two and all of that. And but I being do, being banged up about it right now doesn't make any sense. And I do expect that would lead you to believe that again, Chris Jones, they might be pretty far off on an extension going forward for. Or next they're year. just planning for their options. Yeah, who, you know? and, and again, who who truly knows? The again, sweat deal would have ended it. I mean, yeah. that would have been in, that yeah. would have been ball game. But, uh, but again, Carl Loftus has again. I don't think sacks are the best stat- statistic at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to go by this because I think it's just the easiest one. And that's um, again, I'm not trying to be lazy, but it's because I think it's just easier for people to grasp. Karloff just has six sacks, and he's been on the field uh, the most of any defensive lineman, right? He's mm-hmm. been he's been outstanding. Chris Jones moves inside and outside, mm-hmm. so he's getting some defensive end snaps. He's got five and a half. Mm-hmm. Mike Dana, right? He's kind of your rotational guy. He has five and a half sacks. Uh, Charles Amenahu is going to be getting a ton more snaps going forward. He plays D-end, as well as sometimes moving inside as well. Also Mike very Dana. good inside, yeah. Um, he has one and a half, but you give him that contract. He's going to play a ton of snaps. Where are you where are you getting these FAU snaps from? Like 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 who of those guys I just named is he going to be taking snaps away from on the guys that play outside? I get rotational. Yeah. I understand that. Like the Eagles have eight dudes that rotate in and out yep. on the defensive line. I understand that. But I my- think you'd like to see Felix's snap count go up a little bit in the back half of the year in that in those rotational spots as the year gets longer. You're playing you're playing meaningful games. Eventually, somebody's going to miss a game with a hammy. You know, you hope it's not sure. more serious than that. It would be, I think it would be good to see some signs of progress from Felix, but I think to get Ben out of shape about it right now would be silly. Again, Karloff is playing about 80% of snaps. He, he is a workhorse. He yep. is going to be out there. Uh, Mike Dana at one point was playing about 80% of snaps. He is also a workhorse inside and out. Then you have Chris Jones. And again, Aminahu is one of those guys who's going to be on the field a lot. There's just there's no reason when you're having that much success to take one off just to, this Again, the Chiefs are in a Super Bowl window. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be in it as long as Mahomes is is healthy and Andy Reid is here, this, that, and the other. But you're not trying to necessarily build. You're trying to win. And when you're trying to win, you put your best players on the field at every given time. So, again, I'm not giving up on FAU, but I'm just saying right now I don't know who he's taking snaps from. And, again, I have zero issue with it, and I actually think it's still a pretty good thing. It means the Chiefs defense, uh, especially defensive line, has been as good, if not better, than expected. We will take a quick break, come back, and we'll hit on some little, some more Demons of Stats with you, Briscoe. I can't wait. First I was afraid, I was petrified. Yeah, Kyle! Rah, rah, Rasputin. You know this banger, don't you, Briscoe? Yeah, of course, man. It goes hard, man. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. But I do not know what it's called. Rasputin. Is it, it's not Rasputin? Well, yeah, but they, they don't say it that way in the song. Okay. Am I wrong? I, I don't know. No, man, I didn't. I don't know. Did you like my text last night to you? No. Uh, so I do. This, I don't like it when you text me. I do this thing with Briscoe sometimes. Mm. So I like to, to play a game where I, I read books at night and then I drink bourbon whilst reading the book. I did like this text. It, 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 I don't think this is a game. I, I think this is your passion. But Yeah, it's more my passion. I love drinking bourbon and reading books. And I was reading a book, and I, I was like, oh, this is interesting. The word kid gloves, right? We talk about it in sports a lot. Like, they handle him with kid gloves. I still don't know if I – where did the uh, – yeah, citation needed. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. So you, you get this all the time where you handle with kid gloves. I'm like, well, I wonder what the origin is behind that, right? You know, is it like a child's glove? Like, is it just kid gloves because, you know, kids don't want to hurt their knuckles? What, what, what's going on behind this? And you know why? A kid is a young goat. And back in the day, gloves were made from young goat, that type of leather, right? 
and they're they're not the most uh, they're tender, right? Yeah. You you, you got to take care of them, so you have to handle them. With kid gloves. This this additional info here of these gloves were delicate and often used for tasks requiring a gentle touch. That that really brings it all together. I would have believed that they were gloves you put on to deal with with young goats. You know, sure gloves thick enough where you get bit by a young. It doesn't really fit the idiom though. I suppose. I mean, yeah. with, with kid gloves is to kind of baby something, I guess. Um, but really, I guess the actual the actual terminology would be. You want to handle a delicate situation with kid gloves. I feel like it's usually it usually has a very negative connotation. Like you could say the Pittsburgh Steelers are handling George Pickens with kid gloves, but I don't think that's actually true. No, it's turned it's, into a negative when it, it traditionally was a a sign of of elegance. Yeah, I think I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is. Um, Handling his receivers with kid gloves, <laughs> which is that he's probably not mother bleeping everybody in a, in a receiver room. And you know? somehow the receivers are all wearing kid gloves because the ball <laughs> is sliding out of their hands. It slips right through. They're yeah. delicate, soft leather. Yeah, that that was a shocking realization. So sorry. How did you? Where did that? How did you come to that realization? So I, I'm reading Schindler's list right now. Okay. Um, just I, I I love to read them. I'm not doubting. That wasn't what the okay. That wasn't the energy of the okay. No, but it, and it said kid gloves in there, but it was not used in the typical. Uh, you know, handle it with kid gloves. It was actually talking about leather kid gloves. Uh. And I forget the actual sentence, but I go. That seems a little interesting. That seems a little yeah. different. Let me uh, dig into this. Let me a dig bit. into it. And so the uh, my my phone is full of Wikipedia searches of just random random words and books and just because I like to learn the origins uh, behind these 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 words. Sometimes. We had an entire almost entirely sports bit called the origin of the idiom where we would just do that. Yeah. Cause I just think it's fun. And so we did that. And uh, then of course I text Briscoe uh, late last night because well why wouldn't you? Um, of course as I'm you know a couple bourbons deep why wouldn't you text your coworker? Listen, it's fine. I mean, Renee reads all my texts anyway, so actually she was responding to you. So I was actually text, texting Renee last night. Whoa! Is that is that what you're saying? Do you know the phrase, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, is derived from the book The Catcher in the Rye? I read that book and did not know. That's what LinkedIn says. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up on LinkedIn. I wanted to find I a don't good know, list Link, of idioms. Do you trust LinkedIn? Because you sure, I'm you sure it's not some sales guy who's really trying to be like. Oh, that's such a good point. No, it's on like an actual like ass. blog. I think it's raining cats and dogs. Why do you think that came together? Mm, it's raining cats and dogs. Holy bleep! This rules. I hope this is real. Uh, because in the 1450s in London, uh, a cat and a dog both jumped off of a castle and landed on the peasants below. It's thought to have originated in 17th century England <laughs> when houses had thatched roofs made of straw or reeds. During heavy rains, these roofs would sometimes collapse under the weight of the water along with any animals that were taking shelter on them. And then the animals would run around, I'm assuming. And they would, they would, they would fall down yeah. with the thing or I whatever. wasn't that far off. That you is, were not that far that's off. That's pretty good. That is very good. I'm a classy gentleman. What can I say? Why does why do people say I'm pulling your leg? This one doesn't have an origin for it. Why do people say I'm pulling your leg? It's a weird one. Um, I I'm gonna go. It's a sailor who has a peg leg, and they couldn't feel their leg being pulled. So when you would pull the sailor's peg leg, uh, they wouldn't know it. Okay, so from uh, GrammarMonster.com, a website I've never seen or Very been on before. Source. Very reliable. Um, 
This term originates from Victorian London in the mid-19th century. Back then, thieves, particularly pickpockets, would pull their victims' legs to disorient them momentarily, thereby allowing an opportunity to rob them. Why don't and so this is offered? Do this that. is offered as a plausible explanation, although the origin remains unknown. I like mine. Why don't NFL players just do that? Just tug on a player's leg and be like, "What's going on? What? Who? Who's there?" And then you tackle them, and you can take the football. Uh, I think that's actually how they got Tyreek Hill to fumble. I'm pretty sure it was Trent McDuffie was pulling Tyreek Hill's leg, and then of course it was it was picked up for the scooping uh, scooping score. Beating around the bush. Give me a give me an origin. Oh man. I was going to talk chief with you, but I guess we'll do this. This is the last one. This is our third one, right? Beating, Comedy comes in threes. Beating around the bush. Yeah. I'll be sourcing this one from gingersoftware.com. That yeah, seems legit as well. Uh, I'm assuming back in the day, uh, we'll go 16th century. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like also England seems like a place where this would happen. They would beat people around the bush. Like they would go to a bush uh. for the beatings for that to take place. According to gingersoftware.com, the origin of the idiom beating around the bush is associated with hunting. In medieval times, hunters hired men to beat the area around the bushes with sticks in order to flush out game, taking cover underneath. They avoid hitting the bushes directly because this could sometimes prove dangerous. Whacking a bee's nest, for example, would just put a swift and unwelcome end to the hunt. Mm. But you beat around the bush, animals take off, hunters get to uh, try to, to you know land a rabbit or whatever. Mm. That would have sucked back then because they wouldn't get to experience the Chiefs' defense. I don't think I would have done very well in medieval times. You? Yeah. Surprising. I know. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs' defense right now is They second. had no idea what to do with diabetes. Uh, no, and they wouldn't have any idea what to do with a Spags defense. There it is. With the Spags blitz package. Okay. Uh, Chiefs' defense is second in the NFL in opponents' points per game. Uh, they are fourth in opponents' points per game given up at 288 yards. I'm sorry, 288 yards per game given up, fourth in yards, second in points, points 15.9. Uh, opponents' points per play, second in the NFL. Yards per play, fourth. Uh, opponents' red zone scoring percentage, touchdown percentage, right? Not field goals, touchdown. 18th. You know what this is telling me right now? Oh, and by the way, they are 11th in turnovers forced. You know what this is telling me right now? That they should be better. <laughs> They, they should, should be get better. better. Yeah, like, like I th- there's because I wanted to I wanted to find if there's any wonky numbers like were they just uh, incredible once te- once teams got to the uh, down to the red zone were they just forcing a ton of turnovers? No, yep. it's actually been the opposite. They've been so good, and quite frankly, the numbers would lead you to believe they could get even better. Yeah, because even some of those points per game, let's be real, short fields. Yep, like tons of them. I, I have been just so enthused by this Chiefs defense, and we've been burned so many times. Just even growing up, it's like tw- uh, 2003, right, with a 13-3 and team and all that stuff. The great offense is bad defenses. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting here going, all right, yeah, but when's the defense going to revert back to that? Even 2018, don't have to go back that far ago to say, okay, yeah, the, the defense, they'll be good for a couple of weeks, but they'll eventually revert back. Um Start of the year, we kept saying, all right, but the competition, this, then we need a larger sample size. All right, I've seen enough. All the numbers are showing me as well. I, you can't be a doubter. This Chiefs defense is elite. 
it, it is, and it was so fun to see on Sunday morning them have a signature moment that is the thing that's going to be like a part of the, the highlight reel for the Chiefs in 2023, something that is going to be a calling card of, of what this team actually is. It is well-coached. These players are well-developed. The uh, evaluation of these guys was excellent, and seeing all that come together with a huge, huge, huge number of second-year players and second-year guys in the system with... First-year players in the system, Mike Edwards and Drew Tranquil, playing enormous roles this year as well. It is an excellent linebacking group, even without Nick Bolton. It is a deep uh, defensive line, which we have talked about now yeah. plenty, at least on the edges. The interior not as deep, but but still it's competent. Turk Wharton getting after it. Turk Wharton <laughs> had a couple of great reps against Miami. Uh, and... And the secondary is as advertised. Trent McDuffie, in a, I, I talked about this in the zone today, but if, if Trent McDuffie was in a redraft of the 2022 NFL draft, he'd be a top 10 pick. I don't know that it would even be particularly close. Oh, I want to say top, top five. I would, but the, it's, the teams who are there and the players in this sure, draft are interesting. Sure. Like, I think Chris Olave went 11 and Garrett Wilson went 10 and, uh, you, McDuffie was the third corner to go behind Sauce and Stingley. I would certain I might take McDuffie ahead of either of those guys. I don't think the Jets probably would. I think no. they'd probably just deal with Sauce. So anyway, point being, there's some real talent there, but McDuffie belongs in the the cream of the crop in that group. You have the one old old man, Legarius Sneed, the only player on the Chiefs secondary who's practiced against Tyree or practiced yeah against Tyreek Hill, uh, just in terms of how much turnover there's been. It, it is remarkable. It is a well-evaluated roster, a well-turned-over roster, a well-coached roster. The schematics were great. They were not caught off guard by a single thing against Miami. It, it is really a tremendous unit. And I will say this took time to get here. Okay. Sure. And I want to talk about the effort the Chiefs put in. So we'll get to the offense in a minute. And it's a reason why I actually think the offense is down a little bit, but it should have been expected to not be as good as it has been in the past. But it's because the Chiefs have focused so much defensively. What was it? Three straight years of second-round draft picks on the linebackers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the two biggest free agent acquisitions. Um, two years of second, and then Chanel was a third, I think. Was right? third, okay. yeah, like um, outside of Jawan Taylor, right? Because I think that would be the biggest free agent acquisition. The two were on the defense, Drew Tranquil and Charles Aminahu. One-year deal and two-year deal for what it's worth yeah. as well. Um, but, but then you, you go back and you look at the, the defensive line. First-rounder, Carl Loftus. Yep. First-rounder, FAU. Right, not First currently round. involved, so we have to at least note that. Sure, sure, but still, but th th that was a developmental. That they're, sure. they're still even. We'll see to if that pays off this time next there. year. And then you go to the secondary. What well, Brian Cook was a second rounder. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, yep. uh, McDuffie was a first. Yep. My, my point here is they've spent a lot of draft capital and high draft capital. Williams was a day two pick, fourth, uh, fourth, fourth, fourth round, fourth round. So I guess the early day three pick. Josh Williams yeah. fourth was it was. And again, my, Watson was a. S uh, seventh, seventh. Williams. I thought Williams might have been a third. Williams was the fourth. Okay, I believe you. Okay, uh, I took my, a lot of corners there. My, my my point here is the Chiefs have made a concerted effort to focus on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think they even expected to be this good, but this has been an effort in years in the making. And then you pair that with the offense. So the offense, in my opinion, we should have probably s saw a little bit of this coming. Okay. Um, I'm not saying we, we expect it to revert to the 12th in points per game in the NFL this year. They're 12th, 23.1. Uh, scoring in the NFL is down as a whole this year. Mm -hmm. um, but we sure saw at least a little bit of of uh, reversion here. At least uh, uh, um, not not progression, I guess, 
digression. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the word here. Yeah, a, a regression. A, a, a regression or, or a decrease in offensive scoring because they haven't spent as much. A couple second-rounders, yeah. Sky Moore, second-rounder. Rasheed Rice, second-rounder. That's not a first-rounder, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you look at some of the other wide receivers. They're, they're unheralded guys for the most part. I think we should have expected this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think your point on the defense stands, and, and also, again, a developmental process thing where, where now this defense just feels like it's humming, which is an awesome thing. Two second-round picks on wide receivers are real investments. They 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 spent a second-rounder on Creed Humphrey just a few picks after they drafted Nick Bolton. So, I mean, sure. if you're going back to that spot, I'm not going to make you, you know, chalk up Cornell Powell. They've only spent one first-round pick on an offensive player under Brett Veach. Yeah. We discussed him earlier already. That was a that was an investment. It just was a bad one. Um, and they have invested in that huge contract for Jawan Taylor, yes. drafting uh, at you know at the time Lucas Niang and kind of fell off again, getting Creed and then Trey Smith later. Not a high investment, of course, to your to your larger point. And then again, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice. We'll see about Wanya Morris. I think he probably is projected to be a starting tackle on this team next year. Agreed. Don't know what side Juwan Taylor's going to play. <laughs> don't know where they want to put Wanya Morris. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But they they did invest in a pretty real deal for MVS, and th- I think it's I think it's fair to note that they underinvested in the offense and overinvested in the defense. Not even as a value judgment, just in terms of where you're putting your investments. You know, if it's seventy five twenty five, because you have Patrick Mahomes on the offensive side. Sure. It is still the responsibility of that point at the front of the front office to say, um, let's make sure that we don't stall out our rocket ship of an offense by putting all of this into the defensive side. Um, and, and also, like one thing we didn't talk about the FAU part earlier is that they have two defensive ends who barely play from this year's draft class that are long-term yeah. investments, being being Felix and B.J. Thompson, and Keandre Coburn is interior, but he's on the Broncos now. Neil Farrell, they traded a sixth-round pick for. He's not playing. Um, so there's there are some spots. I mean, you're, it's a little nitpicky, I suppose, and I'm not like out on B.J. Thompson. I'm, I'm still kind of interested to see where he ends up. But I, I think it's reasonable to say that we should have seen this coming. I also think it's reasonable to say, holy God, we talked about the right wide receivers every day of the offseason. Mm-hmm. They also should have seen this coming. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the offense and even a little bit more in maybe a optimistic light, okay? I, it's been very, very negative, and I think partially for, for good reason, right? We're so used to seeing electricity. We're so used to seeing uh, the scoreboard saying, sorry, we have ran out of fireworks. Yeah. We're, we're, we're done. We, we, sorry, no more fireworks. Yeah. Um, but we have not seen that, and I want to talk about maybe some reasons for optimism, but we will take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll talk optimistic Chiefs offense after this. Is it time for this or that? Are, are, are we playing this or that? Briscoe was stuck in a cocoon of his sweatshirt. It was a full-on it's a zip-up. It's a, it's a hoodie. It's a thin sort of sun-blocking. Are we playing this or that or not, Sterling? I need you to tell me. I don't know. You look like you're... Just, I need you to answer my question. Uh, no. Yes. 
Yes, unzip that thing. You look like Assassin's Creed or something like that right yeah. now. I got I got blades under my sleeves if we're not you playing look like this or the that. Emperor from my angle. Ooh, that's pretty good also. I was gonna say you look like Slender Man with it zipped up, but I don't know if we would call it uh, Moderate Man. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've <laughs> never I've never in my life considered myself a Slender Man. Husky Man. Husky Man, as we have discussed, that that trauma sticks with you, man. It's it's hard to forget. I, I did want to talk about the Chiefs off and before we get out of here because I, I I went into break saying I. There could be some reason for optimism. I'm not saying this Chiefs offense is going to be what it was the past few seasons, but I also think there's reasons for it to get a little bit better than it currently has looked so far. Here is why. Okay, so points per game, they're 12th. Mm-hmm. Yards per game, they're 7th. Mm-hmm. Yards per play, they're 4th. Okay, and the reason why I go to yards per play, that's typically very indicative of how a team's going to look out uh, offensive output for a given season. They're 4th right there, right? That's pretty darn impressive. Okay, now when it comes down to where they have struggled, turnovers and red zone scoring. They are 15th in the NFL in red zone scoring touchdown percentage, right? That that that's your that's your your issue right there. Like we can point to two things right here, which I think you can point to a lot of different teams and say, "Hey, if they were better here here, they would be better." But these are two aspects that typically we've not seen the Chiefs struggle at. Red zone scoring and turnovers. So, would you be shocked if you saw a Chiefs team coming out of the bye where they look to be top three, top five offense for the rest of the season. No. I would not be. No, not necessarily. Well, so, hmm. yes, but I think your methodology is dead on. We were on the same page on the on the defensive side, and we're on the same page here as well. The red zone and turnover stuff is the part that's a little more random. That's the part that's a little noisier, statistically speaking, where it's not as indicative of actual success or actual problems. So... I would be a little surprised if the Chiefs came out and looked like a top five offense the rest of the way, because I do still fear that there are fundamental problems that are still being solved by Mahomes at great effort to him. And I, I would like, I, I am, I am beyond just like, hey, can the Chiefs put up points? Can they give me a statistically meaningful effort? Because that's not really even the question. They're scoring enough to win with this defense right now. Yeah. My question is, can they be an offense that will consistently get to the red zone and then do something with it. You know, and it's going to be very very hard for them to prove that one way or the other in the remainder of the season until playoff time, honestly. Well, Those they, questions are going to remain. Well, they have five slot receivers. I'm shocked they're not great in the red zone. You want to hear a joke that I haven't been able to do on any other platform yet? I would love to. Ask me uh what the Chiefs have at wide receiver. What do the Chiefs have at wide receiver? <sighs> Slot, 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 slots. No. Everybody. Nobody. They have slots. What are they, casino? Yeah, that's exactly right. You could you could have just done that noise like casino. But I wanted to. But it's slot, slot instead of shot, 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 shot. Oh, you're laughing. You're bleeping a off. Yeah, yeah. Nice twenty ten. You said you said LMFAO. I'm glad it made you chuckle. Okay, if you were to ask someone going into this year, Let the Chiefs would outside. be seven and two. Yes, I'm percent. Chiefs would be seven and two. Uh-huh. They'd be leading the AFC. Yep, and they are averaging seven. Was that seven point two points per game more than the defense given up? Uh huh. Uh huh. That's a touchdown differential. Yeah, you take that right. We're, of course, absolutely. The difference is is because it's twenty three points per game and fifteen point nine points per game given up. And it's because of 15. We would have probably, if you would have said it was 29 and 22, you'd say, wow. Yeah, you would take that, that in a heartbeat. normal. But I like watching Patrick Mahomes look like Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm selfish that way. I'm greedy. Yeah, you are pretty selfish. I want the Chiefs to score 30 a game.
I can't help it, man. It's just who I am. Briscoe, this was fun. I can't wait tonight or tomorrow to give you another bourbon text. Mm. Feel free to just send that one to Kyle this time. <laughs>